Hello and welcome to the big topic in women's MMA. Frank posted in the Humes. Don't forget to check out my blog at frankp316.blogspot.com and also my other podcast, Frank Posen's Big Bad Podcast, which actually delayed until yesterday because uh, on Tuesday night's episode of NXT, Io Shirai and Zoe Stark won the NXT Women's Tag Team Championships from uh, Candice LeRae and uh, Indy Hartwell. And I posted the match on my blog uh, yesterday. And uh, so that's a pretty big win. Nice to see EO again get gold. Um, it had a distraction finish, but that's really what it was. Is it was a, a taking Knox came back from a knee injury. And uh, the storyline is that Candace injured her. So she came back and Candace got distracted. And that's how they lost the match. And then Tegan came out and beat her up. Okay. So, uh, also today on NXT UK, I watched the debut of Blair Davenport. Now, Blair Davenport is the wrestler formerly known as B. Priestley. And uh, fans should be familiar with her because she uh, worked for AEW. Uh, she wrestled for quite a few years for stardom in Japan. Uh, you know, it was a squash match, of course. She doesn't look any different. She wears basically the same gear, but... You know, they decided to change her, give her a name change for um, copyright reasons. Okay, and so that's what they that's what they did on that. And uh, uh, the one thing about her is she's known for stealing moves that she's not supposed to steal. So she's done that before. Okay, so are you ready to get on with this one? Yes, sir. By the way, I forgot to mention to you, I got my haircut yesterday. How are you liking it? Yeah, it's a long time waiting. Okay. Plus, I'm having trouble with my. Plus, I'm having trouble with my chair. I'm having somebody come and look at it tomorrow. I think there may be a problem with the uh, the uh, mechanism that starts the motor. Well, hopefully, they can get it taken care of. I know that's a big inconvenience. It's not, it, it's not the motor itself because when you turn it on, the chair works. Just I have to leave it on. And I have to charge it overnight uh, so that it doesn't run out of gas. Okay. So uh, anyway, so to speak. Anyways, let's first talk about, uh, of course, the UFC was off last, this, this past Saturday, so we're going back to the week before that. And I want to start with uh, Kayla Harrison beating uh, uh, Cindy Dandwa at um, uh, the Ella, uh, whatever the hell name of the company is. <laughs> PFL? PFL, that's right. And I mean, it's about what we expected, honestly. Uh, it's a waste of my time to even watch the games. Yeah, it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't going to be a good fight. Dandua isn't a great athlete. She's not a great striker. She's a better than average grappler, but with her lack of athleticism, there's no way she's going to be able to get to the ground in a favorable position. I mean, she was just completely outgunned. All right. All right. I don't even want to spend any more time on this. Now, let's go to the Bellator uh, show. And what we had, uh, Liz Carmouche. Uh, beat Kanawatanabe by a 30-second beatdown, okay? Now, this is what she had to do to win this one, right? But I don't think either of us had any real hopes of her doing that. What about uh, you? You seem to think you predicted it, but you didn't. You said this is what she has to do. You didn't say she would do it. I, I, never, I, I, can't, I wouldn't say that I, I thought she was going to do it because I thought it was going to be a little bit more slower paced. I thought it was with... Mm. 
the thing that separated me from everybody else is Schwan. Schwan. Yeah. Schwan. When's the last time she did anything like that? No, it's it's been a while, but you have to look at who she's been fighting. She's for the most part, she's been fighting some of the best fighters in the world, the best athletes in the world. Just because you look average against Valentina Shevchenko doesn't mean no. that you're that means no, you're no, average. No, 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 no. no. Uh, 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 let me go a little more recent than that. She looked like crap beating Vanessa Porto. But Vanessa Porto, even though she's not as good as Armusha's opponent. Vanessa Porto has a little bit more layers to her game. She can do a little bit more. She's a better athlete. She's a better grappler, but she has no defense. Vanessa Porto has been around longer than Liz Carmouche, and she's always been shitty. I understand that, but it's like in boxing. You can have a journeyman who's not very good, but he knows how to survive. He knows how to pick his spots. Anyway, let, 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 let's go into how this I want I want to talk well wait a minute, just let me talk here. So the, the way this happened is this it's pretty obvious that after the Vanessa Porto fight that you know look Liz Carmouche didn't get fired from the UFC because she lost to Valentina Shevchenko. She got fired from the UFC because she was putting on shitty performances in every fight. It wasn't just Valentina, it was everybody that she was fighting. She was still winning fights, but she wasn't winning them the way she used to win them, right? And that was the problem. So she apparently had settled into this, you know, malaise, right? And we saw this in in the Vanessa Porto fight. So here's what she did. Somebody must have gotten her ear. Maybe it was Coker. I don't know. But what she did do is she hired a new coach, okay? And the new coach should be somebody we're all familiar with, and that's Justin Flores, okay? He's coached UFC champions, including Ronda Rousey, right? He lives in Carlsbad, California. He doesn't really coach for a gym anymore. He basically does what I would call remedial coaching, okay? Do you know what I mean by that? I assume he kind of comes in and fixes things up, changes the perspective. Precisely. So you got to figure he took one look at her recent fights and what he told her is, what the hell are you doing? Well, I, I would I would even agree with that because I've had to do some of that myself with basketball or it's been fighting with fighters. So I get that. But the thing that I the thing that makes that possible is she has a wealth of experience and she actually has a legitimate deep bag of skill. That's what allowed that to happen. Yeah, you can't yeah, do, but, you can't but let me somebody who's got a thin level of skill set and no experience. That doesn't work. That only works on veterans who have a solid base of skill. That doesn't work with people who don't have a solid, solid and wide base of skill. That's the way that works. Yeah, but why did she put herself in that position in the first place? What do you mean? Well, she 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 hadn't had a really good performance for several years right so she how does she exciting performance winning performances to me are good she hasn't had an exciting one listen uh, that's why she got fired from the UFC because she wasn't putting on good fights that didn't matter whether she was winning or losing to them what mattered what? is well what their thinking was okay 
it's interesting to note that they she thought she would get released after the fight with Valentina Shevchenko, but they actually she actually got released several months later. And I guess they talked about it and they tossed it around and all that sort of thing. And they came to the conclusion that if they kept her around, she'd probably still beat a lot of the flyweights and hold them back. Yes, exactly. I mentioned that on the show. I'm like, she's still one of the better athletes. She's definitely one of the most experienced people. And even though she's not exciting, she's got a broad set of skills. She's going to expose these underdeveloped fighters, and she's a better athlete than the ones who have the experience. She can still bully them. So she was going to upset the apple cart, same way John Fitch did years. What if she doesn't do that? Um, what do you mean, like in UFC or just now? Just now. Like, see, here's the way. Here's the showcase. Her opponent was supposed to destroy her. That's what they thought. They thought Liz Carmouche is done. She's playing it safe. This girl's just going to physically overwhelm her. I thought that was possible, but the only question I posed was, Liz Carmouche has got so much experience. She Maybe she's never seen this style, but she's seen something similar. There's not a position or an angle she's not prepared for. And this mm-hmm. other girl has, has easily exploited holes in her game. It's very obvious. Listen. If it's if she stays with her usual camp, she probably does lose the fight. She probably loses it, but I don't think I don't. I think it's an. I think even with her experience, she could make it an ugly fight. She lost that girl wouldn't have looked good. She would have won. Yeah. But she looked- the way I figure it, once if Kana gets her to the ground, she submits her. If somebody's not engaging and moving around, it's really hard to get that done. Well, her striking, her striking is terrible. We knew that already. So I mean, the point is what she's going to do about it. And the, we, I was talking about that with Charlie. And, and uh, she wants to move to the U.S. She just hasn't done it yet. Yeah, well, one, two, you, that, that was, that's, a, that's a, she probably should have moved a couple years. Her striking is, wow. no, I think, uh, striking I think, is I, like I, 2015 MMA striking. She needs 2021. I think, I think, I think the pandemic had a lot to do with that. She makes rocks, she makes Roxanne Modafferi look like Valentina Shevchenko. That's how bad she is with the striking. Well, anyway, the point is, the point is, uh, you know, to me, she has to do it again. And I don't know if she can do that. It really depends. If she faces a champion, the difference is against this girl, there was no, I I mean, I saw holes in how she won. She kept throwing her her hands at the guard instead of going to the body and chopping the legs. So she made herself very one note in how she finished that fight. And against the champion, the champion can punish her in ways that this girl can grapple. The champion can wrestle. The champion is a punishing striker. So if Liz Carmouche wow. decides to take chances, Liz Carmouche is going to have to take take a little bit of a beating to, to spots she got to easily in this fight. So this is an uphill she- battle. And she's got a fight coming up. Uh, Juliana Velasquez has a title fight coming up. Yeah, I don't know that that's going to be really competitive. Velasquez looks legit. I don't I, think I, so either. It's Denise Keelholz who's basically stickboxing. Yeah, good enough. She's a good enough. She's a good enough striker. But in those clinches, I, I just don't know what Keelholz does against her. I, I just do not know. All right. Well, anyways, we'll see what happens with that. So let's go on to uh, Saturday's show where we had one women's fight on the show, Julia Avila beating uh, Julia Stoliarenko by, uh, what was it, a third round uh, rear naked choke? Uh, if yeah, I remember I correctly? So. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, let's talk about Julia first. Julia was in, is from Lithuania. She was a tough 28. She didn't make the UFC. 
and then she had a fight in Victor, and they signed her anyway. I, I don't think she's any good. I didn't think she was any good then. Still don't think she's any good. So let's talk about Julia really. I did a little bit of uh, homework on this. And so uh, here's what here's the deal with her. She's not originally from Oklahoma City. She's from Los Angeles. Okay. And so uh, believe get this. She's a geologist. Okay. Mm-hmm. She she's a geologist, and she's also you know she did some martial arts training in California. So she got hired by an oil company to be a geologist. And so she moved to Oklahoma City, and then she started training to be a fighter. So she's doing both things. She lost her job as a geologist, and then she got kicked out of her gym. Okay, so I guess she could have moved to Vegas or someplace and gone to any gym, but what she's done instead. She's opened her own gym in Oklahoma City with her husband. It's called Outsiders Combat Club. And what, I, what I'm kind of gathering from this, Paige, first of all, her husband's not an MMA guy. Okay? Sometimes that's, that's number one. one. Sometimes Sorry? that's a good one. I said sometimes established MMA guys are terrible. Well, I don't know. I'm just saying. I'm speaking from a fact. They're terrible. So the, so, the, so the question is, who's coaching her? So that's why she went to Kansas City to see James Krause, because she don't, I don't think she has a coach, okay, at this place, at her own place. This is why – now, I can understand why she want to stay there, because she has a family, and she likes living there, but I think she needs to hire somebody to be the coach at her gym so that she can actually have a coach. Does she have the money to hire a reputable and qualified coach, though? Well, this is what I wonder about because uh, I don't think they – I think they basically just opened the business, so they're kind of broke. <laughs> they're kind of – so they're kind of broke. Yeah, they, they should probably – if they need some video scouting on opponents, they probably should give me a call. My, my prices are very reasonable. Well, she's on Twitter. You should contact her. I mean, I, I've, I've, I, I would just tell her I've had better fighters than you from better camps than you come looking for me. So maybe, maybe I will. Maybe I'll just be like, let, let me, let me break this down for you. So, and then if she has a problem, I'll, I'll send it to my references. Okay. Well, whatever. I mean, the point is, is that uh, I don't think she has a coach. So that's well, she, she didn't need, need a coach for this fight, and I, I, I don't. This, this fight, like I said the night before, we had it. I was like, this is a showcase fight for her. This person has nothing to offer her. And if she thinks that just this win justifies what she's done, it has not. This this was the biggest setup fight possible. All right. That's what I think, too. Now, let's go on to uh, Saturday's show. There's two women's fights on the show. The first one is at Bantamweight. It is Irina Aldana versus Yana Kunitskaya. And uh, I can't... The thought of either of these two getting a title fight makes me want to barf, okay? And Irina Carson is from Mexico. She trains at Lobo in Guadalajara, which is owned by Alexa Grasso's father. Um, She got a big win a couple of fights back over Ketlin Vieira, what I call a lucky punch. And then she lost to Holly Holt. But she's still going to be on the main card of the show. Uh, Yana, she's probably a better, she's a striker primarily, okay? 
Yana is from St. Petersburg, Russia, but she lives now in Florida. She trains with her boyfriend, who's also a UFC fighter, Tiago Moises. And um, she got a win last time, a nice little gift from the judges. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. It was a gift from the judges. She didn't win that if, if her if her opponent would have fought with some goddamn sense, she would have won the fight. She made the same mistake Avia made against Sarge Eubanks. She accepted Listen, Listen she won it anyway. Yeah. I, I don't I don't look over stuff like that. I, I had to coach fighters. I don't look over egregious mistakes. I'm not gonna let that slide and say you should have won. You shouldn't have made that mistake. That was stupid. Well, either way, it doesn't really matter. The point is. I don't know about you, but I don't really give a damn about this fight. It's an it's only interesting because of the stakes that are the things that are at stake. This person who wins will probably be pretty close to a title fight, maybe one more fight. If it's Yana Kuniskayev, she might get pushed into a title fight right after the Pena um Nunes fight. What's interesting about it is just the storylines behind it. Irene Aldana was a big signing. They figured she was gonna do big things, but Technically and strategically, she's plateaued. She's been the same fighter for, I'd say, almost three or four years, and she hasn't gotten any better. And now that I think she's physically declining a little bit, even the bantamweight's thin, so she can still navigate. But now that she's not much more athletic than the people she's fighting, you're starting to see those holes in her game a little bit more. And I know against in the Holly Holm fight, they said she got injured. But I said this, even if she got injured, if you're injured and you know you're compromised, why don't you make an adjustment in your fight plan? Everybody knows Holly Holm is bad with management and bad with accuracy. If you know you're compromised, instead of chasing her, stop in your tracks, back up, make her come to you, and just run into counters. Everybody else who has been smart enough to beat her has done. But for some reason, her team never made that read. And Aldana, even though she's a veteran of mixed martial arts, never made that read. So it's very interesting to see someone go from a potential star, especially as Alexa Grasso has continued to move forward. Arena Aldana yeah. run, and then she's plateaued. And that's what makes I don't it very- think- Schwan, I, I, I don't think the coaching is very good. The coaching isn't, but the thing is, Grasso is a very dynamic talent, and Irene Aldana is above average talent. A slightly above average talent has to work, mm. has to be super smart and super precise to get results. And above a, a very good talent, she, you can be a level five skill set with great talent and still, still be impactful. When you're a slightly above average, level five gets you blown out of the cage, and she was clearly dominated home in that fight she looked like she didn't even she, she didn't even belong in the same organization as her not the same cage same organization i'm not crazy kuniskaya is mine because she reminds me a little bit of of michelle waterson in that she's a striker at heart a, a, a traditional mar- mixed martial art but the thing i like about her is she's got some grit even though she's not a truly physical or physically overwhelming fighter She's she's gritty. She'll fight out of bad spots. And she there's a strategic, there's a conceptual structure to what she does and a strategic process in what she does. And it's allowed her to navigate her limitations and find ways to win by playing the rules, figuring out the patterns in her fighter and her opponent's approach. And then she exploits that. That's why I think she beats Aldana, because Aldana is very one-dimensional. Now Aldana could just blow her out of the water, but Aldana hasn't really done that historically over her time in the UFC. So most likely it's going to be Yannis Kuniskaev having a few roughs, navigating them, and then slowly walking Aldana down and taking over the fight. Um, Aldana's a much better athlete, much bigger hitter, but she fights real dumb in her corner as much as, and I've dealt with them a little bit, 
they're not bad. They just haven't gotten any better. They're falling behind the curve as far as cornering and coaching and developing fighters. I just wish it was on the prelims so I wouldn't have to buy the paper. Well, I mean, it's a, it's a, we're talking potential title challengers, so it's going to be higher up. Yeah, All right, the other one is at flyweight. It is Jennifer Maya versus Jessica I. Don't like this one either. Yeah, I'm interested in it because I want to see if Maya is able against uh, Valentina. I want to see if she can build on build on that impressive, in air quotations, showing and see if she can get back on track and put herself back on the short list of contenders. Um, Jessica I really would have a good chance of winning this fight if Jessica I did not fight in a very low IQ manner. She's a complete. She's actually pretty mobile. She can box when she wants to, but for some reason she's gone into this approach of trying to physically bully and manhandle opponents and she's not a big enough puncher and to be quite honest she's not she doesn't like contact enough to really fight in the manner that she does and um she kind of fights down to her opponent's level and if that's what she's going to do i think maya's more durable i think maya's more physical she's clearly a better grappler um maya should win this jessica i's been more active so she's got that advantage over her but i, I think they're they've been two different calibers of opponent and um and and I just after that hot start in the division, she has cooled off dramatically. She has not looked like she's gotten one ounce better in about three like, years. Like I said, I don't like either of them at this point. I just don't think that they're good enough. Um, I mean, the division's still fairly thin. They're good enough to compete. And there's three or four girls Jennifer Maya can beat right now. Jessica I, on the other hand, hasn't seemed to be able to find a win in like two years. Yeah, I guess. Okay. That's the, both of those fights are on Saturday. Okay, a couple of things I wanted to, to mention. First of all, you can keep an eye on Triller. I don't know if you noticed this, but Triller uh, announced that they're going to be doing a weekly boxing series at the Hulu Theater in Madison smart. Square Garden. That's yeah. that's what the um, Felt Forum is now called. Very smart. Okay, so that's number one. Number two, I don't know if you saw this morning that I retweeted a couple of tweets by Rin Kai. So I don't know if you saw those or not, but we had a video of her doing a little bit of uh, training and that sort of thing. And mm -hmm. Apparently she wants to come back to the U.S. and fight either for either UFC or Bellator. Okay? And I don't know about that. I mean, it's first great. So here, here, here's the, the good thing about Rin Kai. She has elite skills. But she may be one of these fighters that has a million-dollar talent and a 10-cent brain, okay? Because she has a couple of different problems. Problem number one, she has a bad habit of getting off the slow starts. And she lost her fights in the UFC because of it, okay? The other thing is um, she, her husband, who is also her coach, hasn't fixed that, Okay? She even has trouble getting fights in Japan, Sean. You know why? Why? It's because she lives way up in northern Japan island of Shikoku. And so even if somebody wanted to, to uh, bring her into Tokyo, they got a flyer in. You know? So it's expensive just to bring her in. Well, okay. I guess. So, so that's a big problem. Okay, she doesn't have proper coaching. The only way I would I could see her in Bellator UFC is if somebody sponsored her and took her to the U.S. 
uh, totally and, and worked on her mental training more than anything else. But I don't see her. I don't see her doing I mean, the mental training, and I, I've said this before. Same thing when you're talking about the rehab or refining or whatever he did. That guy who took over Via. When you have a fighter or an athlete who's got a certain amount of experience and they have a base level of skill, you're not necessarily adding skills or diversifying it. What you're doing is getting them to see the sport in a different different perspective so that they'll approach it with more intensity, more focus, they'll make less mistakes. But the fighter or athlete has to buy into that. So as long as she's out of the mountains or move over, she's basically saying that I'm not committed to it. And if she's not 100% committed, she's just going to take beatings. And there's no, and I don't know that anybody, I mean, if she can put, put some wins together, she could be an asset to a company, but she has to be able to put wins together. They already got enough girls who will just come and get beat up for a lot less yeah. money than the man. Yeah. Okay. One other thing. So, Sean, do you know what a monospony is? Uh, no, I do not. Okay. So, so, one of the things I hear a lot from fans is that the UFC is a monopoly. Oh, okay, monopoly. I'm sorry. Yes, go ahead. No, 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 no. Just listen. Because this is what fans say, and some uh, writers say. But uh, first of all, in American business, there is no such thing as a monopoly. I mean, if there is, I don't know what it is. But anyways, so John Nash writes about this. Stuff. He works for Bloody Elbow. And what he did recently is I saw in a post that he on Twitter that he used the word monospony. So I looked the word up to see what it is. I didn't know what it was. And what it is apparently, the difference between a monopoly and a monospony is a monopoly means that you're unopposed. With a monospony, it means there is competition, but the competition is so weak, it might as well be a monopoly. Hmm. Okay? So that's what the UFC is. The UFC is a monospony. They have competition, it's weak. And as I said before about Bellator, if Viacom really wanted to compete with the UFC, they could because they got more money than WNA. Yeah, um, I know some people who manage fighters in Bellator, and I told them my issue with Bellator is that lack of depth in every division. There's like two or three fighters. That's why you've got all these rematches and the rest are squash matches. And I said, why don't they, when these guys are coming off their contracts in the UFC, you don't have to get the top tier guys. Why don't you get some familiar guys who are second and third tier and put them in so at least you have competitive matchups in the division that will bring in fans and give them good fights. He told me they're very – he told me and a couple other women who work in there told me they're kind of particular with how they spend their money. Even though they have a lot of money, they're not always willing to spend what it takes to actually compete as far as – because the biggest – the separation between the UFC and everybody else is depth. It's legitimately, they just have a deep roster and they constantly fill it up with qualified, experienced, skilled people. And other other division, other organizations have like maybe five or six good people. You have well, 15. What, it, what, what it is is that Coker has a budget, okay? He, he can do only so much. And if he wants to hire a particular fighter, spend a certain amount of money, he has to go to uh, Viacom management to do that. And they don't seem to be very interested in hiring elite fighters they're interested in more hiring younger fighters uh, which coker is doing but there's not enough of them out there you have to have some uh, uh big names there and there's, yeah, there's you certain fighters and the young fighters well it just depends who it is 
Okay. Well, what we see a lot of what we see a lot of with Bellator, and we've seen it with one championship as well. And with one championship is a little different because what they do is they overspend. Like they're doing they're spending stupid money on guys like Alvarez and Johnson, and then they flop. And the same thing has happened to uh, Bellator with a guy that's say like Benson Henderson, right? And so mm-hmm. what happens is what happens is that. Um, uh, they're, they're not going to spend the kind of money that one championship will spend. That's why they didn't get Alvarez or Johnson because uh, one was going to spend the money to get them. But you know, there's no guarantees that they're going to win fights. Well, the thing about and but partially, like they want to bring in young fighters because young fighters are cheaper. But part of the allure of the UFC is you got these established fighters. If you went and go on a two or three or four fight win streak, you may get this name fighter that'll put you in another stratosphere. Or if somebody, you might get a last second match, like the guy Sean O'Malley's fighting, he's getting the last second fight against Sean O'Malley on a big card, on a big big platform. Bellator can't offer that. Bellator doesn't have the depth or enough names to offer that. So who you have in your organization also impacts who the young fighter, where, where the young fighters want to go. Or I'm going to be beating up tough guys, but nobody knows, and it's not going to bring me any fame. Or do I want to go to UFC, where I'm also beating up tough guys, but if I perform well or somehow I get a win, it's going to instantly vault my value across the board of mixed martial arts. It's not even a it's not even it's not even a competition between the two. Who you have is just as important to the fighters as it is to the fans. Yeah. Anyway, you got anything you want to talk about? Uh, the, I just wanted to. I wanted to talk about the Liz Carmouche thing just for one more second. Liz Carmouche is a very, she's not a very exciting fighter. But if you understand that for you to be boring and for you to survive at ECAL wins requires a certain certain understanding of the game, a certain self-awareness, and a very broad yet specific skill set. That's what's allowed her to navigate throughout the years, even as she's lost some of her physical dominance and her athleticism. Whether it's been exciting or not, she repeatedly put wins together against some of the best competition now it hasn't been entertaining but it has still been it's still been consistent even in her you know you can say it's a boring fight but she didn't get wiped off the mat like caitlin chukagan did she didn't get the hell beat out of her like jessica andrage did she didn't get knocked stiff like jessica i did that takes skill that takes discipline what this guy i believe did all he did was change her perspective and maybe make her more aggressive because all the openings liz kamush always sees them not pull the trigger on the openings. So I feel like he made her a little bit more aggressive and said, you got to go get it. You got to go after it. And he was facing an opponent who was going to give her tons of openings because she's so limited as a fighter. So Liz was willing to take a chance because there was no, there was no real price to be paid. She walks in on this girl. All she's going to do is clinch her. She's not, she can't strike with her. Liz knows that, you know that. So all that redirecting allowed her to be successful in this one spot. I don't know if it works long-term just because Liz is smart enough to know what kind of threat she's facing on the other side of a cage. And if she faces the champion, she even if she faces Denise Kielholz, there is a high price to pay for those that, that same aggression. That same aggression that was rewarded against one girl will be deftly and continuously punished against either one of those two. And so we might go back to seeing boring, boring uh, Liz Carmouche. But even though she's boring, it does not mean she's not skilled. It does not mean she doesn't know what she's doing. She's probably got one of the better IQs in the game, and she's very disciplined and always she does some of the best prep in the game. I just can't let her boringness be an indictment against her actual skill and her, and her, her success as a mixed martial artist. 
Yeah, well, I disagree with you. It's her own okay. damn fault. Listen, it's her own damn fault she got where she was. I respect it. I'm not I'm not even saying it's not. I just know a lot of I love a lot of exciting fighters who, who get cut because at the end of the day, winning is what matters. If you can't win, it don't matter. Well, the problem was she didn't get cut for losing. She got cut for putting on boring fights. Think about that for a second, will you? Yeah, I, I respect that. I respect it's an entertainment business. But I tell fighters all the time, you can be entertaining, but you need to get the win. Because if she was exciting and losing all the time, she wouldn't have made it this long. She was in it because she had value because she finds ways to win. That's what brings her the value. And that's why she was developed she had Schwan, won more than Schwan, Schwan, She can win at a certain level. The problem was she wasn't winning the way you're supposed to. Oh, well, yeah, but most of the, the that's the difference though. A lot of girls aren't, but they're also losing. They're losing in boring fashion. And that's why they got cut and sent home a lot earlier. Because they're losing in boring fashion and she's still winning. Yeah, I guess. All right. Anyway, that's it. I don't want to talk about that no more. No, yeah, that's all that, I got. That's it for today. And don't forget to check out my blog at frankp316.blogspot.com and my other podcast, I post Big Bad Podcast. If you have any uh, questions or comments for my blog or my podcast, you can leave them in Anchor's voicemail. If you want to subscribe to my podcast, you can do so on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Enjoy the fights. We'll talk to you later.